for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. summer's day with eyes that know the darkness in my soul shadows on the hills sketch the trees and the daffodils catch the breeze and the winter chills in colors on the snowy linen land now I understand What you tried to say to me And how you suffered for your sanity And how you tried to set them free They would take not take a tremendous listen. amount of pride in the sun selections that I pick every Saturday morning. Perhaps they'll listen. What am I gonna torture myself with today? Let's just do it together and I'm gonna torture my entire audience with my musical taste. Flaming well, flowers that brightly blaze Swirling clouds in violet haze You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Vincent size of China blue Canada's Colors largest changing automotive hue. radio show that is not about automotive Morning fields of amber grain I have to disclose to you folks that Weathered um, faces Although automotive advice is the only advice that you should ever take from me beneath the artist's Hand. Talking about cars is so Now unbelievably boring. I, I was talking to my buddy Leo Sanfuro this week. And um, a lot of people that uh, work in businesses and happen to be lucky enough to be able to talk to the audiences by thousands of the time. Sometimes we use it to drive business and sure, everybody that's looking for a car will come and see me. They'll find me wherever I am. You know, in this case, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. The show is brought to you by them. They're awesome. My crew is unbelievable. Love you all. For the rest of you, yes, I love you too. Yes, I miss you too. Except those two out there. I don't love you. There's no love for you. You know who you are. I don't love you. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a week, folks. What a week. 
until the end of the month, don't forget. Oh, we may continue this until uh, the end of the next month. If you have good credit, because if you have bad credit, you don't deserve a lot of things. Good credit should be disclosed on dating. When you want to date with somebody, just get them to show you, you the credit rating. Getting married is the most important financial decision of your life. So take it seriously from date one. Don't mess around. Um, we're going to carry on with the promotion at Oakville Nissan. So if you're looking at financing a used vehicle and you have good credit, you don't have to make a payment for up to six months. Take a payment vacation on me. Just for you. We're doing it. A couple of shout outs this morning. I want to send a big shout out to my, to my homeboy, Greg Lalonde. Greg Lalonde is the heir to the throne. I'd quite possibly the best men's store in the country. My good friend, Corey, you know, Corey's in the Danforth. You know, Saul is, is gone. Wherever you are, Saul, love you, miss you. And they have a final close down sale at Corey's until the end of the month, I believe. It's unfortunate that place was there for 60 years. So if you live in that side of the world, go visit them. Deals are crazy. But uh, the shout out is to Greg Lalonde from Blazer for Men in Oakville here. It's right off um, Dorval and the QEW on that plaza on the northwest corner of the intersection. He helps me every year to keep my visual signature <laughs> alive. It's alive. So, you know, whenever you're not feeling so good, you do all sorts of different things to make yourself feel better. Like right now, I'm wearing the sweater that he got me. It's like delicious to look at. I'm wearing my pantuflas, you know, sitting here in my shorts in my living room, thinking about you. And what are we going to talk about in a show to make it compelling or interesting? I also want to send a shout out to the folks at Trips Cycle in Oakville. Trip Cycle. I think the owner's name is John. The super cool dude. Trips. T-R-I-P-P-S. Um, I I brought both my motorcycles for tire change and service and everything else to make them safe for the season. My Harley is out. She saw daylight yesterday. You will never see a Harley parked outside a therapist's office. A Harley is a therapy. And if you park your Harley outside your BJJ school, that's happiness right there. That's, that's a troubled soul <laughs> that is looking for some redemption. So that's the first thing I did with my Harley yesterday. I went to my jiu-jitsu school. Octa BJJ, my partner and I, Luis Costa, are on track to open before the end of the month. What? Carrasco owns a BJJ school. I know, man. That's the problem. Whenever I love something, I want to own it. Doesn't matter what, it, I want to own it. And whenever I do something as much as I do jujitsu, which is, I don't know, 15, 16 hours a week, I figure, yeah, I almost spend enough time here. Let's well just own a school and share my love with everybody. So Octa BJJ in Oakville, folks, is the only exclusive Brazilian jujitsu that we have in the entire town of Oakville. And uh, we are almost full. We haven't even opened yet. <laughs> we are almost full. What? I know. My partner, Louis, said, Greg, you take care of sales. 
and I thought, <laughs> love it. I also want to send out a, a shout out to my uh, my buddies at um, Paris Inc. Parents Inc. It's a tattoo shop in Oakville. My good friend and brother in arms, who is also a jujitsu instructor, Adam. He's done a lot of work on me. But my buddy Phil, Phil Campbell, he's been working on uh, completing a project that I have. I started about 10 years ago. I know, eh? 10 years. I was 40 when I got my first tattoo. I always knew I was going to get one. I just didn't know where and what size. And uh, But I, I knew of what. I knew what I was going to symbolize with my first tattoo. There is no tattoo on me that doesn't have a meaning. Don't ask me what they mean because you don't have enough time for me to tell you. You know, I, I just, I just, I just won't tell you. But uh, my the first tattoo that I got was, um, you know, my uh, my dad and I never really talked. I I met him once before I left Chile when I was eighteen. And uh, dad had a rough life. Dad was not a bad guy. Dad was broken. And um, all his sharp edges used to hurt people that came close to him. Especially the ones he hugged that would get impaled on him. That was my dad. So I knew I was going to get a tattoo of him. So that was my first tattoo. You know, it's right on my chest. It symbolizes my father. <clears throat> and um, then it, was, it just became um, a symphony of experiences. So what I have on me is just a roadmap. You know, everybody says that tattoos are addictive, and I don't, I don't think that tattoos are addictive. I think that they mean something else. Um, why is a car show talking about tattoos? Well, because I feel like it. And uh, I think a lot of people look at uh, folks with tattoos. Now, look, I, there's a lot of people that do it just for the hell of it. You know, just because it looks so nice. I need, I need to get an infinity symbol on me. It's for my sister and I. Cut it out. Cut it out. You know, the beauty is that when I, uh, when I go to work and I put a suit on, you can't tell that, I, that I'm marked up. I look like an underpass at a highway with graffiti. <laughs> I love it. It's just for me. I don't care. You know, tattoos are a very interesting thing. I'll share something with you. You know, sometimes when you you reflect on life. You uh, you know, you come across you know, streams of consciousness that, you know, I, I've, I've been trying my hardest to just put on paper. So I write all this stuff down. One day I will, I will publish this writings and it will not be like Marcus Aurelius meditations. I wish I was that insightful. Uh, I'm just a simple guy. You know, I, and I never really liked the way that I write things. I sound juvenile. You know, I started to speak when I English when I was like in my mid twenties. So it's actually kind of funny when I go back to Chile I stopped speaking Spanish when I was 17, so I speak like a teenager. It's weird. And in Canada, I have an accent, so 
you know, I don't belong anywhere. It's like a third nationality. It's weird. People here think that I'm not from here and people there think that I'm not from there. So what? Where do I belong? But anyways, I'll share something with you. And you know, I, I subject you to my line of thinkings in Saturday mornings and uh, you don't have to stay. You can listen to me or not. But those of you who do, thank you. There are many people that think about this stuff. They just don't know how to verbalize it. They don't want to. And, and that's something that I want to bring onto the show. By the way, if you want to call me, you can still call me. The phone lines are always open. 289-275-9600. It's Saturday, April 23rd. It's 8.13 in the morning. And I know that you're going to work. So stick with me for a little bit. Tattoos. Do you have any tattoos, Nick? Uh, no, I don't. I thought about it. I just can't decide what I would get. If you had to get one, what would it be? Maybe a tattoo of my dog. <laughs> yeah. my, my... A, hey, listen, I, I, this is a judgment-free zone, man. I don't judge anybody. I have made so many mistakes in my life that I, I have no moral standards to judge anybody. I feel like because my dog has a really a fat, puffy face because he's full of fur. I feel yeah. like my dog's face, maybe on like my shoulder or something. Mm. But I haven't gone through with it yet. Yeah, I, I, I probably have something to Marcus on me at some point for sure. But listen to this. Is this it? Is this what I have to accept life to be? A never-ending set of days and hours waiting for the next little bit of predetermined routine. My morning coffee, my quick workout. The feeling of a hot shower and a shave. Preparing the clothes for the day, blah, blah, blah. What the hell? Is this really it? Is this life? You know... I gave up on happiness a long time ago and haven't, haven't tasted what it feels like to be in a total state of sublime synchronicity with a mind that I will never find again. All I have to settle for is what it was. So now here I am alone again, thinking of what it could have been, what should have been, what will never be, question mark. Animals. We are all nothing more than beaten animals, reliving our traumas, running away from pain, she said. And in the process of creating more pain when we run away. The secret of life does not rely on finding the elusive transitory happiness. The secret of life, believe it or not, I believe that it falls on the pain. You know, pain sets parameters. Pain sets your thresholds. Pain is real. Happiness isn't. You know, against popular belief, tattoos are not addictive. They're not addictive at all. On the contrary, tattoos are, you know, simply a byproduct. What is really addictive is the process of getting a tattoo. Quote, warrior paint, end of quote, they say. Better times will come. A jiu-jitsu professor said to me once, he has his whole head tattooed. But sometimes when life takes you places dark enough to consider getting your skin torn apart, by tiny little knives, stabbing your skin nerve endings in a million times and injecting the color of your soul into the visible edges of your own humanity. And the incessant and relentless sound of the machine propelling those little sharp edges into you is nothing more than the melancholic sound of your voice, a sad song that keeps you alive when nothing else can. You know, and at that point, your body tries to trick 
mask the suffering, you know, to hide the pain. Every single hormone produced by your organs to prevent you from feeling what you're feeling sends waves after waves of endorphins to aid the nervous system from the inevitable realization that pain is real and you can't escape it. Tattoos are not addictive, folks. Pain is. Pain is the most addictive drug. The unbearable truth of an elusive reality, the memory of an instant, a word, a phrase, a heartbreak, a death, anything powerful enough to make you want to escape the immediate debilitating suffering and replace it with something more powerful and real and immediate. Here is the irony, using pain to make pain go away. And at the same time, have a visual reminder of that moment, of that reason, of that person in an eternal display of what if you wait long enough, everything goes away. Except that tattoo and the way that pain brought you back to life when nothing else could. You know, the only tattoo I regret is the one that doesn't represent any pain. I was younger. I was stupid. I wanted to cover my arm around a particularly bad divorce. So I gave the tattoo artist the artistic freedom to finish my arm. F, artistic freedom. F, trivialities. F, trends and opinions. You know, when we spend our entire lives finding tools to numb ourselves from the crap that happens, you know, I, you, you manage to run away for a long time. But at one, at one point, I got tired, so I stopped running. Sometimes we need to stop and just feel the pain. You know, sometimes you want to suffer this crap and let it run through you. You know, you want to let the suffering run inside your veins, your skin, your soul. And maybe this, this is a little bit dark for you on a Saturday morning. You know, with your cozy little life, thinking, oh my God, I don't want to hear this. But you know, tattoos often are a morbid reminder that pain was here, you know. And here it'll stay. I can tell you this, my body will be covered with the names of all, all those who hurt me, the ones who beat me, all the ones that love me, the ones that I love and the ones that I hurt. I have no trouble saying that I want to cover myself with it. You know, when you come to the realization that to live is to suffer and to love is to suffer, suffering is, suffering is all there is. If you don't believe me, ask Buddha. And never waste a good heartbreak. You should never waste one. The funny thing is that only through loss, I have discovered the real meaning of love. Love doesn't depend on any action outside of the boundaries of your own decisions. Therefore, love isn't a feeling. Feelings are weak. Feelings go away. Feelings are flippant, elusive, fickle. Feelings don't stay. Decisions, on the other hand, they don't ever really go away. So love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. As I get older, I get confronted with a sudden realization of how short life actually truly is. You know, if I'm lucky enough, I have 20 far more summers left. And what the hell am I doing about it? You know, the, this last few months is, hasn't been fun. So what is going to be my next tattoo? Paris? Van Gogh? Piaf? Steaks? Tequila? Overnight train, Peterson, interpretive dancing. Folks, you're not alone. And believe it or not, this is supposed to be a car show. <laughs> the lines are open. 
You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show this Saturday morning. Call me, Lex. Take us to a small break, and we'll be right back. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer's day with eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Shadows on the hills. Sketch the trees and the daffodils. Catch the breeze and the winter chills in colors on the snowy linen land. Now I understand what you tried to say to me, and how you suffered for your sanity. How you tried to set them free They would not listen They did not know how Perhaps they'll listen now What's up everybody? This is Randy Couture And if I'm not beating people up I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show Give it a listen. Take care My name is Sean Avery I love getting under people's skin But not as much as this guy You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show in my skin Come away with innocence and leave me with my sin The air around me still feels like a cave Love's just a camouflage for what resembles rage again You're listening to the Great Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And I am so happy that I have this platform to share whatever is in my mind. Whatever that is. And there are so many of you that listen to the show that uh, it's unbelievable how many people can relate to the stuff that we talk about every morning. I also want to sit, send a big shout out to the biggest fan of the show. There is someone that listens to the show for three hours every single Saturday morning. And I like all the awesome souls out there. If you believe that you have a soul, by the way, I don't. But either way, <laughs> there is one of them that is just a mouth breathing knuckle dragon basement dwelling troglodyte that sends me emails every single Saturday morning. Your biggest fan. Yes, he's my biggest fan. I love you too, man. I love you too. I heard he, he runs your fan, your fan club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the the amount of hate we, he would send to me, it was so bad that one day I said, dude, I'm not replying to you anymore. I, want, I used to engage him, right? And uh, he keeps sending me emails every single Saturday. I think quite possibly he is the most, he's the saddest person I know. 
Yeah. He's the saddest person I know. Yeah. You know when you hear a voice on the radio and you and you build your life around it, and uh, he waits, he salivates. I'm sure that somebody parts of his move with the idea that the show is going to come on on Saturday mornings. It's one thing to be passionate, but he seems more obsessed than passionate. Oh, this is yeah, yeah. This is this is obsession for yeah. sure. I love you too, man. I love you too. You know, you 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 you're not one of those two the people that I don't have any love for. You're not. You're not that special. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I wanted I wanted to make this show. Um, when I was talking to my buddy Leo the other day, oh, by the way, uh, my other buddy, Doug Ford, uh, you may have heard his name. Uh, he called me on Wednesday and said, Greg, I need to be on the show. So I said, no problem, Doug. What up, Doug? <laughs> What up, Doug? <laughs> I wonder how often he gets that. <laughs> What up, Doug? <laughs> So Doug Ford called me last week and um, we agreed that he was going to come on the show next week. So we're going to have the premier of the province uh, come on the show next week. Um, we are um, we are probably going to have Pierre Poliev here in, in two or three weeks from now. So that should be pretty interesting. I really want to talk to him. But um, when I was talking to my buddy Leo, in, in, the reason why the correlation is there is because Leo is one of the if not the best employment lawyer in the country, Leo Sanfuro, I'm sure that you've heard of him. Um, he's going to be on the show next week as well, but um, Sue, just Sue everybody. Uh, he, he mentioned to me that um, during COVID, divorce lawyers are so unbelievably busy that um, they can't take off and they can't even take new clients. So I wanted to dedicate a show today to all the men out there, men and girls. I mean, every, every woman that listens to the show has a man in her life, I think. And if you don't, that's cool too. Um, but uh, I, I figured that we needed to have a show that will give us some perspective on things. So on the next hour, I have my lawyer, my lawyer, Fabio. He's a rock star. And uh, Fabio is going to talk to us about uh, things that you need to know from a legal standpoint before you get married. And this is crucial. You know, it's a crucial thing. So if you know anyone that is getting married, especially if you're a dude, You should listen to the show. I believe me, if I knew then what I know now, we wouldn't be having this conversation probably. I would be retired somewhere in Paris, you know, in a little condo there, just going to Musée d'Orsay every day, looking at Van Gogh. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that a lot of men um, get get resetted at some point in their 30s and 40s. And there's a lot of stuff here that uh, even, even women, high-achieving women that need to understand this. So my, my, my lawyer is coming next hour to talk to you about things that you need to do uh, to make sure that you're safe before you get into one of the worst contracts that anyone could ever get into. Then my buddy, Matt Stewart, uh, he, is, um, he, he is a member of the law enforcement uh, side of the population. He's a beast. But he's also um, a mental health first aider. Um, this last two years have been rough on society. And um, um, he's going to talk to us about things you need to look for to see if somebody needs help. And uh, I cannot wait for him. Uh, also, on the third hour, I have my brother, uh, Daniel Thiessen, the owner of Radix Performance in Oakville. And uh, arguably, he's one of the best personal trainers in the country. And uh, he's going to talk to you guys about what you need to do to get started. Because if you are getting fat, you know who you are. You look down and you see blub, a jiggly blub. 
You need to do something about it. At some point, you still need to take your clothes off and somebody needs to say, mm, that's the best I can do. And if you're not saying that or somebody's not saying that about you, then you got problems. You got problems. So where I want to take this show here is, um, is, is a little bit different. You know, first, I'm going to read something to you, which is very serendipitous. One of my best friends, Derek, he's one of my best friends. I'm not one of his best friends. That's the problem when you're an immigrant. The best friend's titles are already taken because you guys have been hanging out with people since grade one or JK. So I don't know anybody for that long in Canada. So the best friend's positions are all taken. So I have to, I have to console myself with maybe the third best friend or the fourth best. Friend. I'm okay with that. But anyways, my buddy Derek is a, is a beautiful man. I kiss him. Whenever I see him, I just give him a big hug. He's just awesome. And also, he keeps my jujitsu honest. And uh, I, I was planning to read something on air this morning, like I usually do. And uh, one of the things that I was going to read on air, um, he sent me a text yesterday. He says, Greg, what do you think of this? And I'm thinking, dude, this is exactly <laughs> what I was going to read on the show. So, you know, the, the universe conspires sometimes that are people that are looking for answers to lead you into the same place. So what I'm going to read to you is a poem. Uh, it's a poem written by Rudyard Kipling. 1865, 1936, and it's called If. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but um, it's one of my favorite poems other than Invictus that I recited last week. I didn't read that. I recited it, and Nick is my witness. For those of you that don't know the difference, memorize. Actually, I have Invictus tattooed on me in Spanish for that matter. Awesome. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But this poem is called F. Here we go. Now, please forgive me because whenever I read, my accent comes out. If you're laughing at me, just remember that you're making fun of my second language, losers. <laughs> Don't do it. If, Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can't bear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. Or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap with all your winnings and risk it in one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone. And so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue 
or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men can come with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiven minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. This poem has got a really interesting resonance in me because sometimes as you glide through life, trying to figure things out, many of us don't have a point of reference. And when you don't have a point of reference, you just float. You're adrift. And if you have nothing to compare yourself to, especially from a man's standpoint, because manly men seem to be vilified these days, man's man. Are you a man's man? So how do we do it? How do we figure things out? How do we make it? That's why they say that experience is so unbelievably expensive. And wisdom is for free, but nobody takes it. That rhymes somehow. I should write that down. See? Wisdom just coming out of my mouth, Lex. What is happening this morning? <laughs> We're getting, deep, We're getting deep, man. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. Greg, something's happening here. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> wow, that's Nick. Nick is graduating in a month or so from broadcasting. <laughs> Love it. So this is something that I have written at the store. In fact, it's inside the office of one of my favorite humans on the planet, Raj Mystery. And they are the five steps to make it. Five steps to succeed at anything that you set out to do. I know this is a big claim. I've done it. But no one told me what I needed to do as a formula to succeed. And I'm going to share this with you because, you know, especially if you have kids. And they say, how do you make it in life? I have the secret. And I'm going to make it public, at least the Carrasco version of it. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And we are the home of the no commission salespeople. Those who know they don't buy a car anywhere else. They come and see me. Why? Because I have so much to lose if I do the wrong thing. It's called leverage, folks. Let's take a short break. and We'll be right back. Lex, take it away. Where my breath grows cold, I'll be thinking about you. About you. Seconds from my heart, a bullet from the door. Helpless, I surrender. Shackled by your love. Holding me like this. Poison on your lips. Only when it's over, the silence hits so hard Cause it was almost love, it was almost love It was almost love, it was almost love When I heard that sound, the When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways <laughs> 
I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Show, believe it or not, Canada's largest automotive radio show. <laughs> yes, the phone lines are open. You can talk about whatever you want. 289 275 9600. Cars, motorcycles, tattoos, beards, books, philosophy, art, theater, politics. Religion, BJJ, relationships, marriage, you name it. This is like the buffet. This is like the Mandarin of radio shows. The topic and the variety are endless. 289-275-9600. We have a caller here that just wants to say hello. I don't think we have their name. Is it a, you know? Good morning. How can I make your life better this morning? Is the caller there? Yes, you Hello, are. Greg. Hey, how are you? First time I've ever called. Hello, man. Yes, I'm here, man. Talk to us. 25 minutes. Okay, I've been waiting 25 minutes to talk to you, so obviously I wanted to talk to you. That's awesome. Oh. That's awesome. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, I just wanted to give you an appreciation. I know we have some guests, so I'll just keep it brief here. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, actually, Doug Ford is what uh, brought me to your show, Doug Ford, and I wanted to talk about him. Okay. His election, how are you feeling about his election? Yep. Like, we think he's going to win it. It looks like he's doing well in the polls, and he's done well during the pandemic, as well as you can do it, obviously, in terms of saving lives. So how, how do you think about it? I, I think that we should get him elected. I think that, um, yes. you know, he's um, he was the premier of the province in one of the toughest times that anybody could have ever been a politician. And, um, you know, somehow, look, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff, you know, with many things that he did. But uh, we're on the other side now. COVID seemed to have forgotten by everyone. And um, I, I think that he should be elected. And then when I heard, um, what's the name of that um, person, Boca or something last week? I'm not going to give him any airtime. Um, talking about yeah. how he was going to ban handguns in the province of Ontario. And I'm thinking, really? Like, really? Do you think that uh, people's thought process are that simple? Is that you mean the uh, Ontario Liberal Party? Yeah, the Liberal Party. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Del Duca. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anything more absurd in my entire life. And they, he's just pandering to um, an interesting side of the population that I, you know, slowly but surely they're moving farther and farther away in the left, and I have nothing in common with, uh, you know, the oppression of the population, like taking handguns away. Okay. Let's say that 99.999% of the crimes committed with guns in Canada is not committed by legal gun owners. <laughs> and I am one of them. 
Uh, you know, when 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 you hear such asinine babbling stupidity coming out of a politician, you think, okay, no, man, that's this is not it. So I'm gonna do whatever I can within the show to help Doug Ford get reelected. He's gonna be on the show next week, and um, you know, he we, we talk we talk often, and uh, in all my previous networks and radio stations, he's always been a regular of the show, and uh, I'm gonna keep it that way because you know the beauty about grown-ups and maturity is that we don't have to agree on everything i don't agree with everything he does but when i compare him to everyone else he is the absolute best we have in the story what do you think yeah i agree with you i think uh you know he's the best on the economy obviously because the other two parties are socialists going down the socialist route uh but you know he's fair he's fair actually because everyone when he first got elected said he was going to cut you know, public spending by huge amounts, which really means you're cutting jobs. And you cut jobs, austerity, you know, leads to economic decline. So I think he's managed it very well. That's what I think. Well, look, I, I received that. <laughs> and I hate to say this, and as little as this is, but I got a check for $700 uh, from the government of Ontario because of license plates. Um, that I have registered for the, I don't know for how many years it's been, but, uh, you know, that was appreciated. Like, thanks. When was the last time that a government gave something back as opposed to taking it away? If you don't believe me, ask our favorite dictator. And it, <laughs> Comrade Trudeau. Uh, I got an email this week, and I, 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 I'm going to leave his name out of, uh, out of the show, but, uh, you know, he was saying that... Um, that he feels that sometimes calling uh, our favorite dictator, Comrade Trudeau, uh, uh, a dictator, was vitriolic. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I know that we use um, allegory to emphasize a point on the show. And, you know, sure, a lot of the stuff is, is irony, is, is, is comedy, is satire. Um, there are some very serious point, points that we talk about here from time to time, but the, the reality is that uh, Justin Trudeau is an embarrassment. I'm embarrassed. He embarrasses me. I feel embarrassed for him. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, the, the right in this country needs to unite. And until the right unites, we will have this sort of mediocre type of leadership, if you can even call it leadership, because that's a stretch. Uh, do you agree with that statement there? Yeah, I agree. You know, honestly, I don't think uh, I have as much uh, antipathy for Justin. But uh, I think, you know, we can have our differences and we'll see who wins the election. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to tell you I appreciate everything that you do. So much knowledge I've learned from you. From your radio station. What you is know, your name? It proves that you can learn. Uh, my name is Tom. Tom, we Tom love you Ryan. back, dude. We love you back. And just okay. re just remember that you're not alone. That it doesn't matter how okay. tough things can get at some point. That too shall pass. Thank you, Tom, for the phone call. I really appreciate it. Thank you. See you later. See you. You see, that's a slacker. That's a believer. There are so many of you out there. I love it. I love it. Before the show, I was talking to you about my secret to success. And, uh, you know, a buddy of mine from the Jiu-Jitsu School asked me last week, he said, Greg, uh, you know, we have a company event. 
do you want to be one of the keynote speakers? And I said, sure. You know, I, I've spoken for a bunch of different organizations across the country. And um, so he reached out to me and I will be speaking at, I believe that I will be speaking at his event in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, the, the topics always varied and, you know, having a radio show certainly helps you understand what resonates with people most. But what I can tell you is this, from strictly from a, from a human standpoint, we are always confronted with the, you know, and it's a gargantuan task. How do you make yourself su successful in your terms? Because success means something completely different to everyone. How do you achieve that? How can you standardize a process that you can apply to each and every one of your the aspects of your life, whether it's a romantic, psychological, philosophical, professional, monetary, you, you know, you name it. How can you apply a set of principles that will help you overcome anything and everything to, you know, for that matter. And um, I was able to break it down into five different principles. So if you have a son or a daughter and you are trying to guide them the right way, this is something that I have pushed forward to my children as hard as I can. You know, but then again, in Spanish, there is a saying that goes, casa de herrero, cuchillo de palo, which means that in the house of a farrier, they have wooden knives. <laughs> My kids are listening to me, folks. <laughs> Essentially, they do whatever they want. Uh, nobody listens to their old man until they're gone. That's unfortunate. But anyways... You know, I'm going to torture my children with thousands of hours of contents of their dad on the internet. What do you think about that, Lex? They will never be able to <laughs> ever delete me from the Google searches. There will be so many pictures of me when I'm gone that they will never be able to avoid me. <laughs> that may be a blessing. Hey, that, that may be. But your, your legacy is going to live on. Uh, well, that's the, that's the point, right? At some point, we all get confronted with our ends, you know? Well, the end is it's gonna meet us all it's, it's inevitable it is it is um you know a, a shout out to my um to one of my professors at evo dave dave is an interesting guy and uh, we were discussing the movie gladiator last week it's one of my favorite movies if not my favorite movies one of my favorite movies and a lot of people don't know that the movie is based around the book meditations from marcus aurelius the one of the fathers of stoicism seneca and him but anyways we digress to watch the movie if you haven't watched it so these are the five steps to success according to carrasco i'm going to give them to you but i'm going to break them down for you over the next few weeks because i think it's important that you take a deep dive into this you can break this down in a way that you can go into analysis paralysis with this so here we go on the road to success, step number one, define your goal. What is it that you want to accomplish? If three years from now you were 100% happy and satisfied with whatever that you set out to do, how would you know? How would you know? How would you know when you made it? What are, you, what are your markers? So define it. Do you want to own five houses within the next five years? Okay, now you've defined your goal. Do you want to make $50,000 a month 
within the next 10 years? That is your goal. Do you want to be married and have two or three or four kids? I feel bad for you already, but you know, if you wanted to do that, is that what you can define your happiness to be? Write it down. Write it down. This is my goal. I, Greg Carrasco, define my goal as X, Y, and Z. You can put whatever you want there. So that's step number one. Define your goal. I want to suck less at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's my goal. We all suck at it. So I want to suck less. Just at Jiu-Jitsu. Number two. Find someone that has done what you want to accomplish. Wait a second. Yes. This is the most important step. Find someone that has done the exact same thing that you are planning to accomplish to define the achievement of your goal. I found Professor Dave from evil. That's, he's achieved what I want. I will never be like him because he's a nerd. Love it. <laughs> he's the biggest jujitsu nerd that I know. So he can define it. That's it. I want that. Step number three. Talk to them and listen. What? This is, this is earth-shattering information, folks. Listen. And I mean not listen waiting for your turn to speak. I'm talking open your brain. Not too much that your brain falls out, but, you know, open your brain and listen to these people. They've done what you are planning to accomplish. They've already been there. They've done it. They have the roadmap. Number four. Once you've defined your goal, you've found someone that has done it, and you've talked to them, and you've listened to them, Step number four is take a tremendous amount of action. And I'm talking not action. They're like, oh, I'm going to try it. The work of my goal this morning, like for 10 minutes. I'll say, sit back on my latte. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to become obsessed with what you want. Because remember, nobody cares. So if you don't care about your own success, about your own definitions of your own happiness, nobody gives a damn. Take a massive amount of action. And step number five, and you're going to say, man, this is too simplistic. You'd be surprised how many people don't do this stuff. Step number five, after you've defined your goal, after you have found someone that has done it, after you have talked to them and listened to them, and after you have taken a tremendous, insane, obsessive amount of action, don't effing quit. Just don't quit. Somebody said to me once that a black belt in jiu-jitsu is not for who is best, it's for who is left. My brain was blown. 
folks, if you're listening to my voice, you're alive. You're one of the lucky ones. You've made it this far. Make something out of it. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco show. And in the other side of the hour, folks, we're going to have my lawyer. He's a rock star. He's going to talk to you about things that you need to know legally before you get married. After you get married, you're done. But anyways, that's a whole different conversation. If you know somebody that's about to get married, if you're thinking about it, after you get a slap from me, you need to listen to my lawyer. If you know someone that is getting married, get them to listen to the show. Or at least subscribe to the podcast, Slackers. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And there is where I live. I will solve all your automotive problems. I promise I will. Everything else is up for grabs. Lex, take us to a break. We'll be right back. Come true. I'd save every day like a treasure and then again. I would spend them with you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do Once you find them I looked around enough to know That you're the one I want to go through time with Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here And I want you to check out The Greg Carrasso Show Check him out Greg and the gang, uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live, here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk, shooting facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining, turn up the station. There's no more waiting, the show is beginning. It's too late to escape, let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. And we're back. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show in town. From time to time, we bring important people on the show. But there is a reason why this uh, rock star is with me on air this morning. Um, I've been reading, I've gone down the rabbit hole of males and masculinity and society and so on and so on and so on. I've been, I've been going down that. I'm deep in that rabbit hole. And... Um, I read a, uh, something that resonated with me last week, and that was that uh, never in the history of the world men have been getting married at a lesser rate than today. But unlike or against popular belief, it's not because they're afraid of commitment. It's because they are afraid of divorce. Divorce has the power to not so bring a man to his knees, 
but to virtually break him. And we've all known that, man. We've all seen the eyes. It's in the eyes, man. It's in the eyes. You can see when a man has been broken. But you see, divorce is a side effect of something else. Divorce is just an, an outcome uh, of, 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 of a bad relationship, of a bad setup, of a bad frame. And if you're like me, uh, without a point of reference, you know, my dad was not around. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea that to base the most important financial decision of my life on a feeling that is for sure is going to go away. <laughs> for sure it's going to go away. <laughs> there are some guidelines that you needed to follow. So my lawyer is here, Fabio. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Good morning. Good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. You know, I, I think that it's, it's interesting um, that um, the reason why men are not getting married these days is simply because they're afraid of divorce, not because they're afraid of commitment. You know, I, as myself, when I talk about Greg Carrasco, I still like the idea of the institution. But have, you know, having somebody press my reset button when I was 41, and I know what that felt like when I was living on my sister's house, sleeping in my niece's room with, you know, princess wallpaper. I know, <laughs> I know what that, you know, the funny thing, Fabio, is that and I was 41, and um, I was running the largest Nissan dealership in the country. I had a TV show. I had a radio show. My career was on fire, and, you know, knock on wood, it still is. But um, I had been pushed a full reset button on my entire finances in my life because, you know, divorce just can wreck you. Do you hear this often? Yes, that's what, often what happens. People get surprised by what happens at the conclusion of their marriage and the other spouse's rights. And um, often it's, it's the hus husband or the spouse's pension, which they've um, accumulated over a long period of time, which they have to split and often they have to split it by giving or splitting the value by giving the other spouse the entire half of the value of the pension which could be their their share in the house could be their all of their rsps could be all of everything so and then there's spousal support and then there's a child support which are very generous uh -huh. and whether, whether it's the man or the woman who has to pay it's a huge financial burden so do you know why is it that uh you know, we use a table now to pay child support as opposed to instead of what's needed, we use a table. Who decided this? Do you, do you happen to know how that process works? That, okay. Well, the process is you, uh, child support is basically determined um, on the payor's income. Mm -hmm. And the reason, and so you look at the payor's income, you, uh, typically it's the line 150 on your income tax return. You go to the table, the amount of children, the province that you're in, and boom, you get an instant result. Now, that, that's, a, that's a simplified version of it. There can be a lot of discussion and argument over what is the person's actual income, and that arises from situations of self-employment or investments, uh, foreign income, a myriad of situations. But if you have a simple situation where all you have is a T4 slip, um, and maybe some investment incomes from, you know, financial institutions, whatever, it's very easy to determine what your, your child support obligation is. Now, the reason we've gone to that, and it's been around for many, many years, um, probably it, it, was, it started in the mid-90s, if I recall correctly, um, was because people were spending a lot of money 
determining what that person should be paying for child support. A lot of money was being wasted on that because of course the payer doesn't want to pay very much and the recipient wants a lot. So, um, and then there was also different results for different people uh, or for the same financial circumstances. So you could have some guy in Oshawa who's making exactly the same amount of money as some lady payer in Mississauga, yeah. but the man in Oshawa maybe, and has the same amount of children, the financial circumstances are the same, but you'll get a result where the lady in Mississauga has got to pay $1,000 a month for two kids, whereas the man in Oshawa with the same payroll and everything is paying $500 a month in support. And because of that inconsistency and the expense involved in all of the legal wrangling and the tying up of the court's time, et cetera, et cetera, they decided to simplify it and, and, and just get something that's standard. You make this much money, this is what your kids need. Well, don't you think that uh, standardizing anything like that uh, creates a, a huge level of imbalance? Because uh, this is not about what is required to raise a child anymore. It's got to do with what the earner, the main income earner makes, which is the, uh, whether it's the husband or the wife. You know, we've all known the person that has been taken to the cleaners by an ex, you know, whether it's a male or a female. I mean, my ex-best friend took his ex-wife to the cleaners. He always stayed at home, do, did absolutely nothing. He was he was always at the golf course. I remember him. And uh, she was an extremely high producer. So when they split up, he was set. Like, he, he hasn't worked since. How that, those are those are perhaps unique circumstances, but the, the point of it is that it's not you're not trying to fulfill the child's basic needs. The child should not be living hand to mouth, saying, "Well, look, you need you need twenty two dollars for groceries, you need thirty five dollars for clothing a month, you need, and so therefore, you know, if I add up your basic necessities, I, when I pay one hundred and fifty dollars a month, you you're okay. I get to keep the rest. The the guidelines are based on the child being entitled to a certain lifestyle based on your income. So if we have someone who is earning, let's say, a basic income, and I'm not sure what that is, but let's just say it's fifty thousand dollars, the child is going to get a certain is entitled to a certain level of living because of the parent's uh, earnings. You have another parent who's making fifty five million a year. That child is going to be entitled to a lot more support because they are entitled to share. And, and for the benefit of the parents' uh, earning abilities. Interesting. So, you know, other than advising my entire audience not to get married, uh, <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's, let's take, you know, because by the time the divorce happens, I mean, it's too late to come up with a conclusion. I mean, the rules of the games have already been ruled out by the fact that you don't have an agreement. And I've always felt that it's a lot easier to, to find a consensus when you guys love each other as opposed to when you guys don't, because the person that you marry is most certainly not the person that you divorce. And I remember once Rod Stewart saying, you know, if you want, if you want to do the fine divorce for you, it's to find someone that you hate and just give them a house. <laughs> and that was Rod Stewart. And uh, well, what we want to do this morning, and uh, it, this is important because I, I do believe that many people, men and women, are getting taken to the cleaners simply because they didn't have the presence of mind to set and do the right things before they get into a situation in which they will not be able to control. So, you know, again, folks, uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show. And uh, with me in the studio right now is Fabio Gazzola. He is my lawyer. He is an expert, subject matter expert when it comes to uh, divorces and, and, and matrimonial law. And uh, the first question that I have for you, Fabio, is this. 
what legal preparations do we need to make before somebody gets married? So if one of your children is getting married or you're thinking about doing it again, I don't know why you do that. But if you think about doing it again, what are some of the preparations that you need to have from a legal standpoint before you get married? Okay, well, getting, getting the administrative uh, matters out of the way, um, you're going to need a marriage license or alternatively a marriage ban. Um, marriage ban is where you publish your intention to marry uh, through your religious organization. So through your church or synagogue or mosque, but you've got to be a, a regular attendee. That isn't really done very much. People opt for the, uh, I think most people opt for the marriage license option. Um, if either of the spouses were divorced before, you've got to get an opinion as to the validity of your foreign divorce. Then you go ahead and you get, uh, then, you, then you can proceed and legally get married. Um, there are also, which is recommended, contracts uh, which you can, which you can and should get into. Um, if you're getting married, it's called a marriage contract. Okay. With the marriage contract, you can set out what your understanding is as to your responsibilities, and most of them are financial. Okay. Um, in your in your marriage, and what happens with your finances if you should happen to split up, if you should divorce or separate. Um, because if you get married, you automatically, each spouse automatically has certain rights against the other. And they're generally divided into spousal support, um, property division, and equalization. So spousal support, we all know what it is. Um, but in a marriage contract, um, and then of course, the marriage contract is trying to set out what the two of you understand or and agree to going into this relationship because as your relationship progresses often things change and there can be negativity uh, at the end of your relationship which the person says well maybe that's what we thought about at the beginning but that's not what i'm thinking now and you know everybody's got their reasons for uh, wanting what they want um, but at least the marriage contract will set up a contract for you which sets out what your agreement is, for example, for spousal support. Maybe both of you are working and, and maybe both of you um, have decided that, you know what, we're going to get married, but we don't want either of us to be claiming support from the other. We want to be financially independent of each other when we split up, if we split up. So the marriage contract can provide for a spousal support release where each of you confirm by contract that you are neither of you going to make any claims to spousal support from the other and that uh -huh. neither of you are entitled to it. Interesting. Now, you know, since we're on that vein here, um, what is the difference between a prenup, a cohabitational agreement and a marriage contract? I mean, uh, you know, if you can abbreviate that, because I know that there's a lot of different implications in there, but what is the difference between those three? So prenup, cohabitational agreement and marriage contract. Well, a prenup, my understanding is, it's more of an American term. It's it's a short form for a prenuptial agreement, and nuptials being your marriage. So, it the, it's the Canadian equivalent to a marriage contract. There's no difference between a prenup and a marriage contract. Um, I don't think it's the same thing as a cohabitation agreement, because a cohabitation agreement is typically what an agreement that persons who intend not to get married, but to live together in a spousal relationship. So it's not roommates in college, um, although you, they can do some sort of agreement, but that wouldn't be what uh, the nature of the show is. The, the, the cohabitation agreement is an agreement where two people intend to live together as spouses, but not get married. And what they will deal with in a cohabitation agreement is just about anything you, they can think of, 
but primarily it's, it's spousal support, property division, acquiring interests in the other person's property. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important in a cohabitation um, situation because in, in a marriage, you have the automatic right to equalize your property upon breakdown of your marriage. In a cohabitation situation, you don't have that automatic right because that automatic right is only given to married people. In mm-hmm. a cohabitation agreement, unless one person objects, when you separate, you each take what you've got in your name and what you own and you leave. The and other that's person it. doesn't have a right to anything. However, uh, there are ways around it. And it's typically when you want to claim an, an interest in somebody else's property, for example, someone's home, yeah. um, that can be done by way of a trust concept. And that's the, the person who doesn't have the property says, well, wait a minute, I paid for all these renovations. I've done all of this. Now we split up and I leave with nothing. That's not fair. I should get half of your home. I should get 40% of it. So with that potential of getting the other, one of the spouses getting an interest um, in the other party's property, uh-huh. what you, you want to do is you put together a cohabitation agreement that says, this is what we agree on. Now we're starting to cohabit. This is what we agree on with respect to our finances. I'm, not, I'm going to pay you support. I'm not going to pay you support. We're going to pay each other support. We're not. Um, when it comes to property, what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. No matter what you do um, with respect to contributing to it, you're never going to get an interest in it, et cetera, et cetera. Or they may say they, they can agree to all kinds of things. But the idea is that you put down in writing what you have agreed to as to various ta- subjects uh, in your marriage. And that's property division. And, um, um, you know, now, do they stand in court? Oh, Absolutely. So if you have a marriage contract, it will stand in court. Oh, absolutely. They have been, they have been overturned. Um, but usually those, the ones that are overturned, they've got to be crazy unfair to one of the spouses. Now, how do you avoid that? By seeking independent legal advice? That's, that's one of the primary ways of avoiding the argument that the person didn't know what they were doing, that this was completely unfair, it's illegal, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, you know, folks, do you, you know, here's a, you know, off the cuff question. Do you think that getting married without a a marriage contract is a terrible idea? Absolutely. Uh, Do Um, you think that, do you think that anybody should do it? Why do you, why do you think that do it anyways? I mean, knowing the, 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 the failure rate, why do you think that people jump into this, um, institution knowing full well that there is a 60 to 70 percent probability that it's not going to work my experience is that primarily people think that's never going to happen to me primarily people think some people don't care mm-hmm. some people who who you know with start off with nothing each for example they marry early in their you know in their 20s or whatnot when their careers are just starting mm-hmm. um quite reasonably may think whatever we do together is correct to share together because if you don't get have a marriage contract the ontario family law act makes one for you it says that marriage marriage is an equal partnership and at the end of the marriage you are entitled to share in what you have accomplished financially during your marriage so you are entitled to have equally an equal share of the fruits of your marriage. So there's a few exceptions in there, for example, um, which, which are considered not to be fruits of your marriage. So, for example, if you inherit from someone other, uh, from a third party, 
that you don't have to share with your spouse. Um, you get a, a gift from a third party. And then we're talking about significant things. So your parents gift you a house. Um, you don't have to share that with your spouse on, on separation. Now, there are, again, there are exceptions to the exceptions. If, if those inheritances and gifts, you put them into the matrimonial home, for example, by paying down the mortgage, or you turn a house that was gifted to you into your matrimonial home, you have to share that with your spouse. Interesting. Now, um, I mean, just, just to, um, you know, to speed this up, how important is it to disclose your assets and liabilities and your credit rating before you get married? Absolutely critical. One of the ways of setting aside your marriage contract or your cohabitation agreement is non-disclosure of assets and liabilities. Because these agreements are primarily predicated upon finances and what the other person thinks you're bringing into the marriage, um, if, you, for example, you fail, you, had, you, you come into a marriage with these huge amounts of debts, your spouse then finds out about it and says, wait a minute, I thought we were going to grow our relationship together. We were going to build all this and all we spent the last five years paying down your $500,000 in debts. You haven't, you haven't put a penny into the marriage because mm -hmm. all you're doing is paying down your debts and all on the, and the other spouses money is being used for them to live. So it, it is a, it is a way failure to disclose assets and debts is a way of having a cohabitation agreement or a marriage contract set aside. Do you, uh, do you think that you should ever marry someone that has bad credit? Okay, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Please, Fabio. Don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that. Uh, the, uh, how do you protect your current, uh, current and future assets in a divorce? Now, is this, you know, uh, I guess it's a way of me asking you whether it should be mandatory to have a marriage contract when you get into the institution of marriage? Um. I, I, you can protect your assets with a marriage contract, but that's pretty much the only way you can, because in a marriage, you have to share, you, you have to, if you don't have a marriage contract, you have to share everything 50, 50 when you come out of the marriage. So the, the other, there's a nefarious way of doing, and that is hiding them. Um, but if you want to do that, sometimes is not very successful. Most of the times isn't very successful because if you have a good lawyer and good professionals, they can, they can drill down and they can find your hidden assets. And if you do something like that, then quite likely all the costs of uncovering your schemes, you're going to end up paying for them. And they are very, very expensive. That's a, that's a terrible idea. You know, you just full, give full disclosure, folks. And the, the, the reality is this, that we, you know, a couple of things that always resonate with me, Fabio, is the fact that the government fails at everything. And uh, we whenever we go into a marriage contract, we are relying on the government to administer the outcome. And that doesn't make any sense to me. But also, it is a lot easier to look after someone at the beginning of our relationship than at the end. Because at the beginning of the relationship, you still love one another. You got to remember this, folks. Marriages uh, are awful at the end. So you have an adversary as opposed to a partner that you're negotiating with at the end. And that's a terrible position for you to be in when the person that you're fighting with has nothing to lose and everything to gain. So I, um, I can tell you if, you, if you have a child of, uh, of marriage age, I, I strongly recommend to everyone listening to the show, do not under any circumstance let them get married without a marriage contract. Would you agree with that statement, Fabio? Absolutely, because that will put down in writing what each of your intentions are and what each of your positions are. And it is a way of discovering now, before you get married, whether you are both of the same mindset. 
because if you figure that out at the end of your marriage, there's going to be a lot of problems and a lot of expense to sort things out. And somebody's going to be very, very disappointed. Probably both of you are going to be very, very disappointed, even more so than you were with your separation. Well, and all I can tell you this, folks, if you are one of the, uh, if one, if you're a producer, if you're a highly conscientious and a, a highly achieving person, male or female, you are at the biggest risk and that there is no way they should, you should be allowed, you should allow yourself to expose yourself this way based on a romantic relationship. And uh, look, I, like I said to you before, I do believe in the institution of marriage. I just don't like the fact that it's a contract that uh, people get rewarded for breaking it. And that's not a good idea. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. So here's the last question, Fabio. Should people get independent legal advice before they get married? Absolutely. You need to know, well, if you get a marriage contract or a cohabitation agreement, don't go on a website and then design it yourself and then each of you sign it. You need to know what you're getting into. Law is extremely complicated. And even if you're not getting a marriage contract or a, pre, or a cohabitation agreement, go see a lawyer. Tell them what your circumstances are. Tell them what you would like to see if in the event that you separated. Tell them what you would like to see the outcome be and have them explain to you what the outcome will be given your current circumstances, given whether you have a contract or not. So that you're going into this marriage with your eyes wide open. And, you know, folks, I know that this is going to sound very cynical, but do not trust anyone. I look I, and I speak this from personal experience. Um, when, when I first split up with my ex-wife, uh, we, we were very, very amicable. Everything was fine. We downloaded, just like you said, we downloaded the separation agreement from the Internet. We completed it together. Listen to this. We, you know, we still had a lot of respect for each other at the time, and I still do. Uh, and again, everybody has to do what they have to do. But um, so we, we completed it together. We, we, we shook hands and we said, OK, this is what we're going to do. And then we got my neighbor <laughs> to sign it and witness it. So I figure, OK, I'm good. Well, seven or eight years later, <laughs> uh, that agreement landed on the hands of a lawyer. And the lawyer said, ah, some things have got to change around here. And this was way after everything had already been set up. And I'm like, what do you mean our handshakes didn't mean something? And uh, folks, I can tell you this. It is it's very, very interesting how much people change. Uh, there's not a single person that I know that got into a marriage hoping to get divorced. No one does, but everyone changes. And, uh, and, and the person that you find at the end of the relationship is certainly, you know, they, you can still love them and respect them, but they are certainly a different person than the one that you met. Would you agree with that, Fabio? That's probably the main reasons that people split up is that now they're, they don't, they're not as compatible as they were when they were at the beginning. People change. Fabio, dude, you're a rock star, man. And, uh, you know, folks, if you if you need some independent legal advice when it comes to anything, because Fabio manages pretty much my life on the legal side. Uh, that's why he's lost a lot of his hair. <laughs> Where can people find you, Fabio? You can find me at my phone number is 905-842-8777. My email is Fabio G with one B at flglaw.ca website is under construction <laughs> no problem you know folks if you ever want to find any one of the people that come on my show and I, I made myself a promise that i will not have as a guest uh someone that i don't know personally i won't do it and uh especially uh, promoting their services um i 
Fabio's um, Fabio's information is going to be posted on my website at gregcarasso.com on preferred businesses. So uh, what I can tell you is this, uh, Fabio and I have been doing business with each other for how long now? 10 years or so? Oh, way more than that. At least 15. So, you know, he's been involved in my life for a very, very long time, just like Money Mike is. And uh, the number of people that have taken my advice and given their money to Money Mike because he's met, he manages my money and I'm extremely happy with him. Fabio manages my legal affairs. And I'm just as happy. I just wish that I knew you before, Fabi. Why did you take so long to come into my life? <laughs> so, Fabio, he is a lawyer in Oakville. Fabio Gazzola is, uh, is his name. Fabio, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate that segment. And uh, I certainly hope that you, um, that you can come back. Absolutely. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Fabio. And have an thank awesome you. weekend. You too. Thank you very much. Folks, this is um, this. These are important conversations that nobody is willing to have, and uh, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Why? Because I think that if dealing with, you know, Professor Jordan Peterson always says that uh, you need to kill the dragons when they're babies, because if you don't, they grow, and they burn you. On the other side of the break, I'm gonna have a a buddy of mine from jiu-jitsu who not only is a beast of a man, but he's also a wonderful human. He is a mental health first aider. He works with the law enforcement community here in Ontario, and he's very, very well known. And uh, I am super happy to add him to my arsenal of experts here on the show. Matt Stewart is gonna be on the show on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, folks. We are, believe it or not, we're Canada's largest automotive radio show. And believe me, that's the only advice that you need to take from me. For the other advices, I get experts to come and help you glide through life so you don't make mistakes like I did. If you want to talk to me about cars, you come and see me at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I may know a thing or two after 30 years. Lex, take us to a small break, and Matt Stewart is going to be on the other side of the break. Let you down, let you down Would've gave you anything, would've gave you everything oh, I did not believe that it would end, no Everything came second to the best, oh You're not even speaking to my friends, no You know all my uncles and my aunts, oh Twenty candles blowing out and open your eyes We were looking forward to the rest of our lives You Darcy Tucker here and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons. And now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! What's wrong, dear brother? Have you lost your faith? Don't you remember a better place? Needles and things done you in Like the setting sun Oh dear brother Trouble always done that's uh, Dan Oberbeck. What's He's wrong? He's singing with Black Keys, for those of you that, uh, that are listening to the show. That song is called Trouble Weighs a Ton. Men miss 
It's amazing. Same story, dear. If you're listening to my voice, like I say to you every day, every hour, you're one of those lucky ones who's still here. You might as well make the best of it. Why not? Especially when trouble weighs upon you. I remember this. Does anybody care? I was at a restaurant having dinner with my family. Me. Oh, and this hulk of a man comes by and says, Hey, Greg, how's it going? And I said, Good, man. How are you? Good, he says. And he walks away. If you ever meet him in person, he's one of the most imposing humans you'll ever meet. And then my son, Josh, says to me, Who's that? I said, Son, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I, because of the radio and you know, and TV and all sorts of things that I do. There's a lot of people that just come up to me and say hello. So I had to ask. So I, I, I remember I saw him walking back to his um, booth and I went over and I said, sorry, man, I, you know, how do we know each other? He says, we don't. It's like, oh, okay. I just, you know, we are on social media together and, uh, you know, I know you through jujitsu and whatnot. And there he was with his family and that started an, a very interesting acquaintanceship because uh, whenever we happen to be in the same class, we, we make it a point to just say hello and be cordial to one another. And when we roll, we understand exactly what each other are dealing with. His name is Matt Stewart. Matt Stewart is, um, is a member of the law enforcement here in, in Ontario, and uh, he's a mental health first aider. He's also part of the crisis de-escalation unit. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show this morning, dude. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's, <laughs> it's, good, a... to see, it's good to see you here. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've talked about this for a little while, and it's nice to finally be able to, uh, to get it together. And I uh, appreciate you inviting me. Happy, I, to, happy to chat about mental health. I, I, I'm, I'm super happy that you're here. And uh, when, when we were talking about the show and you coming on board, uh, I remember discussing with you what, what's the agenda behind, what, what are we trying to accomplish today? And um, in, in every show, Matt, uh, the, the only goal that I have is this. If we can change one life, if we can make an impact on one person, this show is not wasted. And uh, COVID has had a really interesting effect on humanity. Do you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen a huge change in, in society in general, uh, given the, uh, the presence of COVID, you know, and uh, it certainly affected uh, people's mental health in a number of different ways. So the question that I have for you, so, so people can understand the weight and the importance, the importance of who you are and what you do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do uh, here in Ontario? Well, first of all, I'll say I'm not a doctor. Um, I am a uh, mental health specialist, uh, mental health first aid master trainer. Mm -hmm. um, I've been involved in the, law, in the law enforcement community for 22 years now, um, presently working in a teaching capacity. Um, and I've developed my skills through education. Um, I've been trained as a tactical crisis and hostage negotiator through the Canadian Police College. I am an instructor in applied suicide and intervention skills, uh, mental health first aid police. Uh, recently got certified as a 
crisis uh, de-escalation uh, specialist to the National Anger Management Association, which represents 20, 26 countries. And, and uh, as well as through hundreds and hundreds of calls where I've either responded to people that are living with mental, mental health related issues in a frontline capacity as a frontline uniform officer, and then moving into the mobile crisis um, intervention capacity where you're working with a, a, a nurse um, that you respond to calls. I've, and then as in a tactical role, I was a tactical officer for a period of time. And, you know, there were those moments where things got out of hand and they required um, uh, negotiators and uh, uh, officers with specialized skills to, to attend to get the people the assistance that they need. So I've got a broad perspective on on the issues. And I'm, most importantly, I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for the vulnerable. I want to ensure that those that are living in, in uh, with mental health related issues get the appropriate assistance that they need. Um, and there's a number of ways that, that uh, we can do that. But it's important to recognize and understand how to uh, help those that are that are in a moment of need. Um, I I knew that you did this. I didn't know to what extent, Matt. And, uh, you know, thank you for your service, first and foremost. But uh, let's get into the meat of this because mental health is a dragon. And whether it's a baby or it's a full-blown dragon, you, we really don't know at what stage of development this is. And uh, we all have monsters inside, myself included, and we have to deal with them on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, last week I was talking about jujitsu and how cathartic it is for me and my mental health to just to go to the school and being able to release my aggressions and frustrations on the mat with people that are just like me that carry that cares so much about our safety and our ability to express our emotions on the mat. And there is where I see you often, but you know, here is a question for you. What are some of the signs that you may see on a loved one, you know, someone that you love that you would, that would warrant a conversation. So, you know, you see a member of your family struggling, you see something odd. At what point you say, okay, maybe we need to talk to this person. You know, how do you recognize that man? Well, you know, with a loved one, I mean, you, you generally know what, what they're, what they're all about in terms of, you know, when they're in a healthy state of mind and, you know, different stressors in life bring us to different stages of mental health. We all have mental health related issues, you know, it's as things progress and as things sort of fester that we need to, to understand some of the, the things to look for. So I always look at it from a mental health continuum perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, there's different states. So I do it by color coding. Um, you are in the green, which would be a, sta a healthy state of mind. You have see normal fluctuations in mood. Uh, you take things at stride. You've got a good sense of humor. You're physically and socially active, confident in self and others. And, you know, we all like to have a drink every once in a while, but drinking in moderation. Um, mm -hmm. As things progress into the yellow, you're sort of reacting to different stimulus that you may be experiencing. You know, you've you've had a, a rough day, or you've got some some minor or major changes that are starting to happen in your life that are affecting your your mental health. So you're in what we call the reacting stage. It's it's the yellow stage. Okay. 
So you would be, you know, your nervousness is a little bit more heightened. Uh, you would be a little bit more irritable. Uh, sadness would be present. Overwhelmed. Um, you know, we all have um, sarcasm from time to time, but it's that displaced uh, sarcasm. We start to procrastinate on things. Uh, we start to forget. We're starting to have trouble sleeping, low energy, you know, muscle tension, headaches, um, missing an occasional class or a deadline. Mm -hmm. And then that decreased social activity. Um, we're starting to drink a little bit more, maybe binging a little bit. And we're having a little bit more difficulty uh, managing our stress levels. Then it progresses to um, the injured level, which would be the orange, orange okay. level, where, you know, things are, are getting a little bit more out of hand. Um, Anxiety is present, you know, we're a little bit easily angered. Um, uh, that pervasive sadness, hopelessness, we're starting to get a negative attitude, difficulty concentrating. We're having trouble making decisions. Uh, our performance is decreasing. Um, you're a little bit more restless. Your, your sleep is really disturbed. That avoidance, social withdrawal is huge. Uh, and then an increased use of alcohol uh, and it starts to become hard to control. Mm -hmm. And then the red, um, the red would be um, excessive anxiety. Uh, you might start to experience panic attacks. Uh, you're easily enraged, uh, aggressive, can't concentrate. Your inability to make the decisions, constant fatigue, illness, ab absence from social events. And then comes in some cases, suicidal thoughts. Um, you're starting to have unusual sensory experiences like hearing or seeing things. Um, and that could be as a result of your dependence on alcohol or other addictions that may, may be in place. And this is where I would really wanna start to, to seek uh, some medical assistance or medical help. Um, and we have a general way to see this in ourselves, but having being able to see it in others can be a little bit more tricky because some people try to hide their, their mental illness or, or things that they're experiencing and they don't necessarily want to um, divulge those experiences because of the stigmas associated to, to mental health. Now, when, you know, when you see this development, because um, when you care about someone, you understand the, their mental state, you know, when someone is not right. Mm -hmm. Um, how how do we address that? Because it's very difficult for you to see a loved one going into this rabbit hole of destructive behavior and not become confrontational because often you, you, you're not very receptive to criticism. You're not receptive to feedback. And uh, for the most part, we, we put ourselves in denial. I mean, and I'm speaking from, you know, from personal experience. Whenever I'm not feeling good, I deny to myself first. And therefore, you deny it to everyone else. So, you know, how, how do you approach that to, with someone that you love, that you see them breaking down? Do you talk to them first? Do you, talk to, do you talk to a doctor? Do you talk to their mom, their dad? How do you approach that? It's such a sensitive topic. You approach it with care. Um, I don't think anybody um, approaches these situations, especially with family members, in a, in a malice way. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be tricky at times because you're right you don't want to trigger the individual um, 
uh, when someone is experiencing, you know, a progressed level of, of mental health related issues to the point where they are in that, that injured or ill state, mm-hmm. there is that sensitivity and, um, it can be a tricky thing to deal with. So I always, I always look at things like this. I, I, I approach it with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. I've developed, um, you know, a communication style for myself and I, I know it's, it's utilized, um, within the law enforcement community, uh, based on, on, um, negotiation tactics and so on. So I, I like to utilize empathy. So, you know, I, I, I've got to do my best to try to put myself in that other individual shoes and it, it can be difficult because empathy and sympathy are two separate things. You can't fake empathy. Of course, of course. Um, Empathy is, is, you know, having a, a deep understanding and knowledge. Um, you could be sympathetic, but sometimes it, it can come off as fake. As fake. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's knowing your place. And, you know, I, it can be difficult at times, but, uh, you know, it's, you got to build that rapport and, and you want to try to influence that person in, in a positive way. And, and, you know, as, as an officer or, or a member of the law enforcement community, we have different laws that we have to to rely upon. And, and by virtue of those laws and statutes, you know, we, we can make people do certain things. Mm-hmm. But I've never taken that approach because oftentimes when, when you take that approach, um, things can go south fairly typically. I want to influence that person in a way that we're working together to resolve that situation together. And empower that individual to get the appropriate assistance, and then I do my best to to utilize different resources. Some some of which may be uh, a result of apprehension under the Mental Health Act, or mm-hmm. if I can put that person into contact through a say a, a community support network uh, or support group or um, a, a community crisis intervention. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, when whenever you fly anywhere. Uh, the flight attendants always give you the same speech. Uh, if the cabin pressure ever drops uh, and the mask comes down, put your own mask first, and then you can start helping someone else. So on that same vein, you know, it's very difficult to help someone if you are going yourself through some things. So do you have a system or a way that, that you keep yourself in, in check? I mean, how do you self-assess to, to, to place yourself in the zones and what to do about it. Because, you know, often um, introspective uh, approach to life is the most difficult thing to do, Matt. You know, we are, we, we are either overly critical or we don't pay attention at all to the way that we're feeling. We just carry on and, you know, try to gr- go through life. You just crash through. So how do you keep yourself in check? Like a person like yourself that you deal with the level of despair that someone like you would deal with, um, which I, I, I can't comprehend how you guys do it, man. I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, so it requires a, 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 a tremendous amount of strength, inner strength to be able to deal with this on a daily basis. But how do you keep yourself in check? Well, I'm not going to lie. Like uh, 22 years of experience uh, in seeing things, um, whether I've seen them directly or vicariously or, or whatnot. Um, you know, I've struggled myself with, with um, anxiety and depression at times. So, I have a I have a level of understanding where self care is extremely important, and and what I say to to self care and 
you you brought up in one of your previous po- podcasts where one of our teammates uh, was promoted to a black belt and he he utilized jujitsu as a form of self-care to you know the put that's one place you can you can put all your the, the negativity the, the thoughts and stuff you put it on the mats and you're able to to work through your the, the stressors in life and so on and we all have different ways to establish self-care some people go for a run some people um get more involved with with uh with family with activities with sports with whatever they have in place to help regulate their 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 thoughts and and moods and and so on um that's extremely important um to have in place um so self-care would be would be key and i always i always looked at it like this like we're all we're all at times gonna have those moments of stress and you know, as a shift worker, um, I, I, you know, in our discussions when we talked about uh, coming on the show, um, I gave you this example as a shift worker, I say I'm working night shift. And uh, my night shift uh, when I was on the road was typically seven days or seven mm-hmm. nights. And you come into that night shift well rested. You're ready to go. You're gung ho. You've just come off days off. So you've been eating regularly you've you know you've been engaged in your your various activities and so on so you you come in feeling good well as the night shift progresses you know your your sleep becomes irregular you're not eating as healthy you may not be able to get to the gym every day and then comes on the work stress so things that you're experiencing the the things that you're seeing um the the night shift in general it's it, it affects our circadian rhythm so we're not able to you know to to function, our, our thought processes start to, to shift and so mm-hmm. on. So that in, in that in that realm for that week, as the week progresses, your your mental health is starting to 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 suffer a little bit. Your color levels changes as, as yeah, the week you, progresses. Exactly. But but you've you've come to that end of the week and then now you're on days off again. And because you've got proper um things in place you're you're sleeping you're starting to eat healthy uh, again you're you're re-engaged in your your regular activities and your your body's resetting so that when you go in for day shift you're able to to function properly it's when things progress over a period of time and it was suggested to me that if you're starting to have the if, if you're sitting in the the injured or ill for a period of three to six weeks, uh-huh. um, that's when you should really be be seeking assistance, uh, whether it be through your family doctor or through the various resources that may be available to the individual in the regions that they live in. Um, when, when you get called into a crisis situation, uh, is there anything specific that you do or that you see that helps you determine the level of the crisis that you're seeing in? I mean, the, uh, other than the obvious. Um, because I'm, I'm sure that what you deal with is a lot of it has to do with neurolinguistics, with the unspoken language. What are some of those visual signs and uh, that, that you see whenever you are called into a crisis situation? Well, it, de- it depends on, on the level of the situation. Um, you know, and because I've responded in, you know, a, a regular uniform capacity, uh, a mental health crisis team capacity and a tactical capacity, I've seen the de- different levels of of crisis, so it's it's being mindful in a frontline capacity that again we're not we're not doctors we're we're there to assess based on 
a criteria that is set, set out by the Mental Health Act to determine whether this person lacks the, the capacity in some cases to, to make decisions for themselves because of the, the state that they're in. And then we want to get them to, to assistance uh, to a, a medical facility so that a doctor can properly assess them and determine whether they're, they, they need a, a long-term um, process for recovery. Uh, and then you have the situations where you may not necessarily need to take them to the hospital because they, they have the capacity to, to, to make decisions for themselves. They're, they're not in a state of where suicidal thoughts are present or, or where they're in a, a state where they're potentially going to act out on those thoughts. So you can, you can utilize other resources like um, Toronto has now introduced uh, the community crisis support service, which mm -hmm. uh, is a pilot. Um, they've also embedded uh, uh, crisis workers in, uh, in the uh, communication center uh, from the Gerstein center, which um can put individuals in contact with appropriate resources, providing it, they they meet a certain threshold. You know, if someone's actively suicidal or or actively in a state where they need an intervention, then you know it's up to the professionals, whether it be um, uh, the crisis team, the frontline officer, um, to get them the assistance that they need. Matt, I couldn't possibly tell you how happy I am that we were finally able to get together here on the radio. And uh, this, this is such a broad topic of conversation that uh, I would love to extend another invitation to you again to come and help me unpack as to how we can deal with it as, as men, as grown-up men, that deal with the, uh, with the troubles of life on a daily basis. And sometimes things get rough, man. And I, and I, can, I can tell you from personal experience. And for me, believe it or not, whenever I'm going through a tough time, uh, my jujitsu activity increases tremendously. And uh, for some reason, my brain wants to, uh, wants to produce art whether it's music and I start writing songs and playing more, whether it's painting, I paint everything and, uh, or I write and uh, I, I need to let this out. Um, but there is a lot of people that don't know how to express, um, you know, those moments of struggle. And uh, I, I, I would love to have you here again over the next few weeks for us to, you know, share in a more, I guess, lighthearted way, things that we can do to help us um, aid our own mental health in a way that is not only conducive to a different mental state, but also that is productive. You know, my therapist uh, talks, uh, talks about this is called um, what is, sublimation is what he calls it, that you turn nonsense into productive energy. And uh, I would love to have you here again. But Matt, dude, you know, I am I'm super happy, happy that I can, you know, spend time with people like you at the Jiu Jitsu school. And now I can see you on the other side uh, on the radio show here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I really appreciate you. Thanks, Greg. And I've I've been a victim of your of your self-care on the mats. <laughs> I know I know when you're stressed out. I felt it firsthand. <laughs> well, thank you. That's Matt Stewart, everybody. I love you, Matt. Thank you so much for the uh, for, you know for your appearance on the show. And folks, we are going to take a short break. Uh, Lex, um, that was that was pretty intense. And uh, we uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. 
I've seen the streets in the west I've driven down the 90 Well, hell, I've seen America's best I've been through the Rockies Well, I've seen Saskatoon I've driven down the highway Hi, guys, this is Roberto Alomar And you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show drinking where there is some, some yummy goodness nectar of the angels from Starbucks or you are drinking some liquid courage to get you through the day I don't I don't judge this is a judgment free zone too many mistakes from my side of the equation here to judge anybody I do not judge you do you man you do you whatever floats your boat that's you You can still call us, 289-275-9600. With me in the studio, it's quite possibly not only one of the handsomest humans that I know, <laughs> but also one of the strongest human beings on the planet. And, uh, you know, I've, I don't know, this is, must be a coincidence right now, but uh, if, uh, if anybody's ever rolled with him on a jiu-jitsu mat, <laughs> they understand uh, the, uh, the suffocating agony that uh, he will put you through. <laughs> When that, coming, when that happens. Daniel Thiessen, everyone, he's the owner of Radix Performance here in Oakville. And uh, in my opinion, one of the best personal trainers on the planet. Daniel, thank you so much for being in the show this morning. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good, Greg. Thank you for having me. I like that. Uh, I like that intro, the fight intro. That got me excited a little bit. <laughs> Greg Carrasco. I know, and it's like my it's my walkout song. You know, if I yeah. ever just go join the WWE, <laughs> that would that would be the song. That's yeah. right. Lex is you know is, yeah. is super excited on the other side. I don't know if it would be uh, marketable though, because I, I'm I'm not big enough to be a wrestler. I guess I guess I could be a wrestler, but I'm just oh, old. Yeah, Well, Rey Mysterio is 5'3", so, yeah, and he's been yeah. wrestling for the last 20-some-odd years. You just got well, a backflip. So he's taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Daniel, I, um, I'm super happy to have you here. And the reason why you are on air with me this morning is because, um, you know, as I, as I live through my days and, um, 
you know, I've been I've, I've been taking a deep dive into into what it means to be a man. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've decided to have a bunch of guests over the next few weeks. So this is going to be a series of shows in relation to, um, you know, just become a, a better man, like a better mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of our problems stem with the fact that it's too easy to be alive these days. You know, you don't have to go into the wild and fight the boards and, you know, risk your life to provide and bring meat to the table. No. We don't do that anymore. No. no. So men, after they get married and they've done their own hunting or version of hunting, <laughs> <laughs> have this, the tendency to get a little fat. Yeah. <laughs> and and once, once the momentum has been stopped, it's very, very difficult to get it back on, uh, you know, on track. Would you agree with this, uh, with what I'm talking about this morning? Yeah, um, a lot of guys after they've made that hunt and they're, you know, they got, they're married or whatever, they got their girl, they lose the motivation that was behind staying in shape in the first place. I see it all the time. And life, life has so many stresses, right? So um, kids, career, wife, it's all stress. It's easier just to put everything else on the back burner as you try to survive it all. Um, but then you lose who you truly can be in the process. The best version of yourself, I guarantee you the best version of yourself is the leanest, fittest version of yourself. Of course. I mean, if you, you need to make yourself harder to kill. That's yeah. very, very simple stuff. Yeah. And uh, a, a lot of people don't take that very seriously. And uh, no. I can tell you this, folks. Uh, there is something, there is an energy that you put out when you stand in front of the mirror and, and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. But I was going to say that if you, every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you say like, eh, that's yeah. good. You know, I, yeah. you make me literally feel uncomfortable. I feel, I feel uncomfortable when you're around. Mm-hmm. And it's simply because you, you have made it your life purpose to stay active, to stay fit, to stay strong because you are a producer, you are a provider, you are out there every single day trying to make it happen. And uh, your physical conditioning has a great impact on your ability to be able to be the man that you want to be. Am I wrong? No, 100%. Um, you, you, and I feel like men, especially, we need to be not only like, I don't want to be just strong. I don't want to be just a runner and in good shape. I want to be strong. I want to be able to move well. I have very good flexibility. I have very good mobility. I I can lift a lot of weight, but I can I can run five k no problem. Um, I can do jujitsu, so I can I can fight. Uh, on Friday, I was sparring boxing. Like I'm just I'm I'd be very hard to kill. You know what I'm saying? But I can do it all. But I I think that's like we should never very like specialize so much in something so specific if we have the ability to be so much more than that. And that's why like the way I train is that I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to be um, able to breathe and move. And it's what, if you look at that and then you look at what I'm going to look like at 70 years old and how I'm going to be able to, um, you know, hold myself and do all those things is I'm going to have great heart health, cardiovascular health, but my joints and my muscles are going to be strong. So I'm not going to fall down the stairs and need a hip replacement or something like that. Like these are the things that for longevity in your life, you need Mm -hmm. to be able to do all those things. You know, 
All I do it. have to uh, put a disclaimer here. When I'm talking about people getting fat, um, the, um, I'm not talking about my son, Josh. I am not talking about uh, Professor Toma from Evo. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about my best friend, Kurt. So, <laughs> so no, I'm not talking about you guys. Not at all. I would never do that on air. <laughs> so, you know, look, I, uh, yesterday, as I was, um, because I get up super early every morning, it's, a, it's an army habit that I never broke, and I'm so happy I didn't. I'm up early, five something, four something, I'm up. And uh, one of the first things that goes through my mind is that I need to get myself under something heavy. And I'm not talking about my partner. I'm talking about weights. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Lex, don't laugh. So I, you know, one of the first things that I do is that I go back to my CrossFit training. And, uh, you know, when I own the CrossFit gym and we got all certified, um, you know, compound movements. And uh, I like to get myself under a heavy squat very early in the morning. How cathartic is that to your metabolism and your physical conditioning? Yeah. So stuff, compound movements like squat, deadlift, um, those movements work a whole bunch of muscles in a functional way. And what they also do is you're strengthening your joints as well. Um, but on the hormonal side of things, you're going to have more testosterone, more growth hormone naturally by moving more weight like that. So not only are you getting stronger, you're getting harder to kill, but you're doing all these things that um, physiologically inside of your body are, are changing you, are making you feel younger, are making you feel better about yourself, are you know going to kind of take your day and the trajectory of your day is going up from there mm -hmm. because of all these things you're releasing by doing these compound movements. It's like a must. You have you, to be squatting. You have to be deadlifting. Like you, and I don't care. I've heard every excuse. Anybody who's coming to my gym who's telling me like, oh, my knees this or my back that, we can fix that and we can get you squatting and we can get you deadlifting. It's like do something you, think, you have to do. Sorry to interrupt. Do you think that bodybuilding in its literal form has ruined physical conditioning because the number of people that I see going to the gym and working on the, uh, the upper uh, rear deltoid head, it's like, what? Yeah. Stop it. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah. You know, get yourself under something heavy that moves a lot of muscles and make yourself stronger by doing two or three exercises. I mean, you know, what do you think are, are the three or four compound movements that can get somebody a good workout without having to break it down to the point of ad nauseum? You know, yes, we right. talk, we have squats, we yeah. have deadlifts, right. we have pull-ups, pull we have push-ups. What else do we have? Yeah, th those four right there. Um, yeah. I would add like press so okay you're pressing overhead yeah um and uh some type of heavy rows is good for your ba upper back and your shoulders and making sure you stay healthy that's it like you could do that for the rest of your life and be a strong capable S human being strong like bull mm -hmm. you know i i went i went to chile once and i i uh, I, I was looking to buy of a Red Bull, which is a terrible thing to drink, but whatever. So I went to the, the, the store in Santiago, Chile, and I said, uh, you know, do Dina's Red Bull? And um, he said, what? Or que? So he didn't know what I was talking about. Red Bull? And then he looked at me and he said, like, you know, the, the light went off. And he says, oh, Red Bull. <laughs> so you're strong like bull. But anyway, so, you know, if you do those compound exercises, 
that's all you really need to do to get started. And actually, that was the first question on, on my segment today. Mm-hmm. How do you start? If, you, if you're one of those ones that have been slacking off, you've been slacking idle, shame on you. Shame, I see it. Especially those fat ones that I roll with that do some from time to time. When I'm just suffocated with, you know, with the blob just in, on top of me, it's like, oh, I want to tap simply because I can't find the uh, the, 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 the muscle <laughs> somewhere in there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So, but how do you get started? Um, you need you need to find somebody that you're accountable to that is gonna, you know. You mean um, other than you? Other than yeah, yourself? Like somebody like me who you have that you you sign like to me it's something that should be scheduled into your day so however you get that scheduled into your day if that means that you pay somebody up front and you schedule that in and you show up to those sessions you gotta you have to be accountable to somebody because obviously you're not being accountable to yourself so um we need to find out uh, your what motivates you your why like why are you doing this and uh-huh. then being accountable well, I think that uh, if anybody needs any motivation, and you know, it's so funny because I, you know, when 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 somebody's putting a little weight on, they always talk to you about the way they used to look. It's like you course, know, when I was always. when I was thirty five, I was a supermodel. Yeah, you know, I was dating everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. you know, that's what my professor Tom always says to me, dude, man, I was a supermodel. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is like he is a handsome dude, right? Yeah. So I know that somewhere in his life, yeah, that did happen. But mm. what happened? <laughs> you know, yeah. we. Uh, so it, that's how you start. You you need to hold yourself accountable to something, mm-hmm. and uh, from from that perspective, I think the guys like yourself, the little personal trainers that you can you, that can say, you know, hey, you're not doing the work, man. What are you mm-hmm. doing here? Yeah. That is going to help you tremendously. Number two, what is what do you think that makes people give up on themselves? Like, why do they just like let themselves go? At some point, you still need to be attractive for your person. Yeah, you know, because if they're not looking at you let me break some news they're looking at someone else yeah so I think why do you think that people give up it's like like life stress um everything else becomes a priority besides yourself right as a as a man who's providing for a family and uh, having a career a job a business whatever everything else gets put first business mm-hmm. is first kids are first wife is first all that and then last on the priority list is what happens to you but as you become that last person in your physical ability and your mental ability keeps going down. How do you even provide for those people anymore? If you don't take care of yourself? I think that that's a mistake that, you know, most producers, most absolute savages, especially men, they make that mistake. You cannot make your wife, your priority. You cannot make your children, your priority. You cannot make your job, you, your priority. You cannot. You can't live your life that way. And we make that mistake all the time, Dan. Mm-hmm. You, if you are not your first priority, you will not be able to help the most, cl- the closest, the dearest people to you. Yeah. And um, why? Too many people are watching TikTok stories and yeah. Instagram, and they're living their lives based on an Instagram ideology that it makes absolute no sense. And somehow, Somehow we have convinced ourselves that, you know, that we are husbands first, that we are fathers first, that we are anything but a man first. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, it don't you think? Problem. I do, hundred percent. How I do you deal with, with that? 
social i i honestly uh, two months ago now i shut down most of my social media so my my phone time was like six hours on my phone a day or something stupid like that and i'm down to like an hour and just over an hour a day on my phone because and i prioritize what i need for me first so that i can give the best me to the people around me um it's just it's too easy and life is life is also too easy we we've been given everything at the our fingertips we don't have to work for nothing anymore and it happens instantly you know um people need to learn what it's like to grind and achieve something again and it doesn't happen overnight you want a good physique that's going to take you six months at least it's too easy to be alive today yeah it's way too easy there is no struggle you know that our society today struggles more with uh, stop eating than actually eating is the first time in human history yeah. in which it is more difficult to stop eating than it is to find your food. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting fat. We're getting yeah. lazy. We're getting to deliver the groceries to your door, man. Dude, you man, don't that's, have to walk to the store no more. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, when the, uh, when our version of hunting is the four steps that it takes us to open the fridge. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. And some people make that trip way too often. Yeah. So now, you know, here's another question for you. What is the, the age of your oldest client? What is the oldest person that has ever started taking personal training from you? Uh, Bill, Bill, I trained Bill yesterday. He's 78. Damn. Bill is a, Bill is a savage. Yes, Bill, yeah. the love goes to you from the and Carrasco show here. Bill, you know? also, Bill also owns three businesses and not retired. And refuses to retire. Bill's on a good mentality. Like, wow. That's, you know, that's how you stay young and alive. He keeps his brain fresh. He keeps his body fresh. And he's but, like, he's not a 78-year-old who you're like, feel is a fragile. He's a 78-year-old, come in, let's deadlift. You know? Like, that's, that's something I aspire to when I see Bill. Well, you know, here, here, here's the thing, though. And, and for you guys like that is something that needs to be protected by everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys like Bill, the guys like, you know, I have one of those ones in my work. His name is Dave Mahoney. I call him the savage. He's a savage. Mm-hmm. He has gotten into the ring in the octagon of life with cancer three times in the last two years. Wow. And he still shows up to work every mm-hmm. single day. You know, it was about a week and a half ago. He was not feeling well. I said, dude, you have to stay home. He said, no, I don't want to. Let me come to work, man. And over the weekend, he said, I'm good, Greg. Can I come back? Can I come back? Can I come back? He's 79, Daniel, 79 years old. You know, if I live my life that way when I'm 79, I've won. That's it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good to go. But our society doesn't cherish that. You know, we let people to sit down and relax. Let's watch Netflix together. Netflix, yeah. Netflix and chill. Yeah. That means something else these days. <laughs> but so, you know, here's the next question for you. Yeah. What advice you have for men out there who are trying to find themselves in that deep, underneath those deep layers of fat? <laughs> no, 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 that's what I'm saying. Uh, what advice do you give men out there in the world that are trying to find themselves and trying to find that, you know, the fact that they're dudes, they're man's man, they're, they're, they're hunters, 
They're killers. They're savages, barbarians. And they need mm. to find a barbarian inside. And by the way, speaking of barbarians, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to bring somebody on the show that I met um, at the gun club. You know, Daniel, I was there, you know, shooting some guns. And hopefully you come with me one of these days. Mm. I'm a member up in Target Sports in Stouffville. They're amazing there. They're amazing. Amazing, amazing. Everyone should get their gun license. Uh, and I met this dude. His name is Jason Figliano. Jason is another beast of a man. And he's writing a book about what it means to be a man. And uh, I want to bring him on the show because uh, when you see him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a dude right there, man. I do not want to cross that guy. But he's one of the biggest sweethearts that you will meet. You know, so what advice do you have for men trying to find themselves? I Personally, I say find something you can compete in again, whether that's like jujitsu or uh, CrossFit or whatever it is. Find something that you can actually do a competition this is what's going to happen. You're going to get in shape because you're working towards something. Um, you're going to learn some type of skill, which every man should be constantly learning a new skill. I believe that. Mm -hmm. um, and then in competition, you're going to find out who you really are in your heart, in your mind. Um, and it will bring out the best and the worst in you all at the same time. Uh, and I think every man needs to do that. Find something you can com compete in and get at it. Get at it with everything you got. You know, it, that's something that I find in jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. Every time I go to my jiu-jitsu school, whether it's EVO or, you know, very soon to be Okta BJJ, which is around the corner from your gym, mm -hmm. um, I get to test my skill against the version of me from yesterday. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I get to trust people. I get to see what my weaknesses are and work on them. But more importantly... I need to be present. You know, this is one of the reasons why I love jujitsu and riding motorcycles so much. You know, my partner, Louise, last night and I were, were talking about this, how, you know, doing jujitsu requires a different level of mindfulness. You need to be there. If you're not there, you're going to get tapped out. And tapped out, for those of you guys that don't know anything about jujitsu, it's like you, you, you die. If you don't mm -hmm. tap, you die. Or you break something. Break something. Yeah, or you break something. So you need to be present. If you're not present, you're not going to be able to play this game because it is a game. It's a system. And uh, they say that jiu-jitsu is the art for the thinking man. And I can un completely understand that. But the irony behind it is that you need to stop thinking in order for you to do jiu-jitsu. You need to be there. You know, you need to you need to go. You need to feel it. You need to understand it and, and, and embrace it. It's a feeling. And it is a feeling. And the same thing happens with a motorcycle. With a motorcycle, if you're not present with your motorcycle, you will die. Yeah. You will die. Every man should own a motorcycle at some point in their lives. I have two. I have, I have two. So do I. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Daniel, where can people find you if they need to find themselves? Talk to uh, us. Where can people find Daniel Thiessen? Which is, in my opinion, folks, he's a beast. And on uh, every aspect, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, boxing, jujitsu, or CrossFit, or you know, in any sort of physical activity, and specifically in personal training, where can people find you? Uh, Radix Performance is in Oakville, 427 Spears Road. Um, you can check us out on our website at www.radixperformance.com. Did you ever, uh, like Professor Toma from uh, EVO, consider um, a career in male modeling? No, <laughs> I had to shut down my Instagram account, man. I got too many likes on the shirtless. <laughs> too, too many DMs that would get you into trouble. <laughs> Wife didn't uh, like it. I, I have never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Thiessen, everyone, the owner of Radix Performance in Oakville on Spears 
in Dorval area. If you live in yes. Oakville, you know him. Daniel, thank you so much, man. I know that you need to go and look after the little ones. You have way too many kids, man. You need to cut the machine down. Come on. It's my wife, man. And she told <laughs> she she That's right. She makes them all by herself. I'm That's not even great. joking. We just we just had twins and they asked her if she they wanted she when the C section was happening, they could tie her tubes and she said no. I said, Dude. Doc, are you kidding me? Just do but, it. Listen, you know, but here's the thing, though. Somehow I'm okay with you producing more people like you. You know what I'm saying? Smart I'm people are not producing enough and the other ones are multiplying. Do you know I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm I only I'm only making boys, too. I got three boys, so just uh, more listen, men. You have a big responsibility. We need more strong men in our society, not less. No, Masculinity no. isn't toxic, right, Jason? You know, he was the one that posted and said, you know, when the barbarians come knocking at the door, all of a sudden, masculinity isn't toxic anymore. It's true. It is true. Daniel, I love you. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, Folks, bro. that is Daniel Thiessen. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Greg. Go and pick up your kids. I appreciate Folks, you are, Thank you. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. And uh, this is a special show today. This is a show that everyone should listen to, that everyone should pass along to their kids. That's right. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And until the end of the month, maybe even next month. Oh, by the way, uh, Lex and Jody and Nick, these are the, my crew here on the show. You need to remind me on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the car that I'm going to give away on the show here and the reasons why we're going to give it away. Please promise me that you're going to remind me. I forget. I have the attention span of a goldfish. That's, that's awesome. Folks, let's take a break. Lex. Take us there, we'll be right back. Don't put your blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. Take a look in the mirror. What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? And what you believe? Cause I'm only human after all. And you're only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Put your blame on me. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasco Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. show this morning has been a, an assortment of topics that uh, it warrants a re-listen we've talked about all sorts of interesting things what do you think about that nick are you a better man this morning than you were when you first showed up to my house at 7 15 are you yeah i think so i heard a lot of a lot of interesting advice good advice so it's always good to it's always good to improve yourself you know self-improvement is important you think so i think so i think the men need to listen to men more do you do that often, Lex? You know, do you do you look at guys that are just crushing it and listen to them? I wish I did more. You know, I I, uh, uh, I didn't uh, grow up with a uh, I guess a uh, 
uh, a stronger male presence. And a masculine so, man, um, you mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's uh, it's refreshing in some ways, and also kind of like. Uh, deprogramming from all the years that I didn't have that kind of influence in my life. Dude, that's tough, man. You know, uh, unlearning something is way, way, way more difficult than just starting from scratch. It's way more difficult. The, um, I don't, I don't know how people do it. And uh, unfortunately we, we don't need less masculinity in our society today. We need more, you know, that's, uh, that's what keeps the, keeps the wolves at bay. And uh, I don't think that we talk about that often enough. No, that's the thing. Like you said, Greg, you know, masculinity should not be shamed. And, you know, people in the end, it's I think, of course, people should be themselves. But at the same time, if someone if that's who someone is to be masculine, to be, you know, like you said, a man's man, that person should not be shamed and condemned, you know, by people who have a problem with it. Well, you know, (laughs) uh, it's amazing how much vitriol there is about that these days, and uh, people are afraid of talking about it. Do you, you know? I I think that you see it on the radio um, sphere, no, Lex? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough sometimes. Just to you know, you want to be able to, I guess, express your masculinity in a healthy way, obviously. But when those healthy ways, even the healthy ways, rather, are misconstrued in the way it is and the way it can be, then that becomes a problem in itself. And that leaves the population that's, you know, and the younger population really confused about what to go forward with. What and, it means. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that I uh, experienced in my own life as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm learning the lessons a little bit later on, but thank god i'm learning it while i'm still actually a bit younger you know i am um, there is there's a concept that they talk about is holding your frame uh holding your frame as a man within a relationship in all your relationships whether it's friendship or romantic relationships and um i'm, I'm working to bring in a couple of guests here that are going to help us do that uh but um you know I'm the common denominator of all the relationships of mine that have failed. And I can tell you this, that the only reason why I believe that they failed is because I lost my frame. Um, You know, once you understand what are your non-negotiables, you know, what is it that it means to be with you and somebody that sticks to that, it's a lot easier to glide through life with a a blueprint of what what you expect out of your own life. But um, many guys are so confused and they, they lose themselves in the process of trying to please someone else that then you become the opposite of the person that these people fell in love with in the first place. Would you agree, agree with that? that? Oh, yeah. I, I am one of those people, actually. Um, I had ambition. I had drive. I had a whole bunch of different things behind my belt uh, as I was getting into my first long term. And then when we started living together, I lost a lot of that because... I was confused as to what, what was, was actually, yeah, what my role is actually was, and uh, I, I lost my uh, passions and my drive and my ambition, and those things were slowly being taken away. And I look back on it, and I didn't like the person I was back then. And it's not just, yes, it, and it's not necessarily all my fault, but the parts that are my fault, I feel that very deeply. Oh, absolutely, and uh, we often lose ourselves. Uh, and the more we try to accommodate, the more we try to please uh, someone other than ourselves, the less you you become and the, and the less self-respect you keep. 
And you cannot get respect from anyone if you don't respect yourself in the process. It's, it's such a is is the ironic part of you know somebody says somebody they call that uh, you know emasculation by a thousand concessions. You know, because it never happens all at once, right? It's, it's little things that you concede every day that makes you less and less and less of the person that you were in the first place. What do you have to say about that, Nick? The thing is, you can't help other people if you if you don't help yourself first. You know, you have to you have to really, you know, be complete as a person before you can actually even think about being there for other people. And that's like you said, some people they just they forget of they forget about taking care of themselves and sometimes prioritizing themselves because they have all these other things to think about. Um, yeah, I mean that's a pretty that, that's a pretty simple way of, of looking at it, and I understand that from from the outside. But you know, once you get into your long term relationship, Nick, because you're too young now to understand all this stuff, you you will see that it's not that as easy as you. That makes oh no, I know hard. it's not easy. No, I know it's not easy. And of course, you know, people are going to have priorities. Uh, I'm, all I'm saying is that you know the, there are moments where. Uh, you you have to think about yourself. Obviously, you, I'm not saying you you obviously when other people go into the equation, then you have to take that into consideration. But I don't think that there are moments. I'm, I'm sorry, and I know that this may sound odd. I don't think that there are moments that you need to think about yourself. I think it's always, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in in my case, my happiness trickles down. When I'm happy, everyone around me is happy. You know what I'm saying? But then the moment that you give up your own happiness to make somebody else happy, it's the moment that they don't like you anymore. They don't respect you anymore. And you are miserable. So you become miserable in the process of making somebody else happy. That's crazy. It's craziness to me. But, you know, it's um, that's a very long conversation. And uh, I think that it's a conversation that needs to be had because not many guys understand this. You know, I think it was Chris Rock that says that... Um, that relationships and marriages are not a partnership. They're like a band. You know, and sometimes you play the lead singer and sometimes you play the tambourine. And when you're playing the tambourine, nobody likes to see a sad tambourine player. (laughs) Nobody likes to do that. You know, we will talk about giving a car away on the show. But uh, the the conversation was so awesome uh, in the previous hour that we that we missed the break. So let's take a short break, Lex, and uh, we'll continue this. If you want to know how to win a car, I, I want some suggestions from you. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You need to come and see me before you make any car buying decisions. When it comes to cars, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Take a short break. We'll be right back. Mike Robitaille here, and I'm just your basic, mediocre, former NHL player. And speaking of mediocre, here he is, the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto.
you're trying to make me sing like <laughs> lowering the volume on this. I can sing. I can play this song on the guitar. You know, one of these days you're gonna hear one of my songs played on air. You're gonna say what? Alaska can sing. I try. I try really hard. So, Lex, I have a question for you. We skipped the break last hour. Do we need to have two more breaks before the end of the show, or just one? Uh, one, I believe, is okay, the. So only... we're off at fifty-six. So we're, we're we're okay now. Yeah, we're okay. Okay, cool. So you know what I wanna what I wanna ask, and we were talking about this at, before the show came on this morning. And as usual, Jyoti disappears when the show comes on, and Lex goes quiet on me because he's busy on the other side, and Nick has nothing to say. Hey, I've been talking more. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, are we? Um, you know, I'm. I've been thinking about giving a car away for a while now, and I just don't know how or what. What would be the reason why anybody should get a car from the show? So we're gonna promote this everywhere. You know, this is a, uh, it's, it's a give back. We're just looking for a way to give it back. Now, if you have a question for you, call me 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And if you have a suggestion as to how we should give the car away, I want to know. I have a question, Greg. Yeah. Uh, have you decided which car it would be? Um, well, I'm not going to give away something expensive. It's just a giveaway. Oh, I know. Clearly, I'm just, some I'm of that one. Curious. Huh? Probably a, a Nissan Sentra or a Nissan Kicks. Mm. If you haven't seen it, look it up. I love the Sentra. You do, eh? Yeah. Well, it's a nice, it's a nice yeah. car. I mean, it was chosen the, um, I believe it was chosen the North American car of the year yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about this in the Consumers Report. So, Lex, what do you think? How do we, um, how do we structure a car giveaway here? That is a great question. I would refer to Jyoti on that one. <laughs> I don't know if Jyoti wants to give a car away through the station. I don't even know if she's on right now. Is, is Jyoti in? Is she here? No, she, she's probably eating. <laughs> she's going to say, oh, stop saying that, Greg. Anybody home? <laughs> it would be grapes, yogurt, and all the good healthy stuff. Hey, listen, you know, when you're pregnant, you're allowed to eat whatever you want. I don't care. You know, my, I remember when my, my ex was pregnant with my kids, they were like ice cream babies. Uh, oh, wow. We would eat ice cream like by the pounds. I'm not joking. It was a few pounds a week. You know, she when she had the babies, she, her weight went down to where it was before the, the babies were born. But my pregnancy weight lasted me until now. It's been 20 years. <laughs> I'm still fat from, from, my, from my youngest child sympathetic pregnancy weight. Uh, you know, I, it doesn't go away. Now, do you, you, you have any kiss legs? No, thank God. That's, that's good, man. No, 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 that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's a very honest answer. No, thank God. Oh, you trust didn't... me. Trust me. Trust me. Um, no, no, no. You're I would not want to have a kid in, you know, in that situation. with the previous relationship in the environment right now. So. Oh, man. And she would be the same. My ex would say the same, too. Uh, listen, you know, you count your blessings because, uh, you know, look, I... I'm going to say something controversial right now. And um, uh -oh. <laughs> like, like I don't say anything controversial on the show. I think the kids are overrated. <laughs> I don't disagree. Funny, that's more funny than controversial. Kids don't get me wrong. Severely, I love kids. Kids are severely overrated. And, uh, you know, I have three of them. Some may say four, you know, there's a little one in the picture. Uh, you know, the um, kids are severely overrated. I think that um, I think it's a, it's a mistake. I think that. <laughs> it 
It would be funny, Greg, if, if your kids would call in right now and call you out on that. Actually, you know, they, uh, they, they agree with me. And I, I'll, I'll tell you why I think that kids are overrated. Uh, I'll explain this. Okay. This is, I don't think that anybody should have kids. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to save the planet, don't have any more kids. But uh, I, I believe that kids are overrated, not because I don't love children. Um, I think it's because I, I love my children so much. And I mean this, I, I, I love them so fundamentally that I look at the world that, I'm br- that I brought them into and I look at what's happening out there and I'm thinking, damn, this sucks. Like, why did I bring these people here? And I don't know if I would have made the same choices. Like, for example, with me, and I posted this on social media last week, you know, two people decided to have sex in the 70s, and here I am today paying bills. And those two people don't even like each other anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the problem with most people today. And, you know, the, the, the reasons why pe- most people have kids is, I, I want to I wanna see what our babies look like. I want to I see. We would have beautiful kids. <laughs> Face app is good for that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, 21st century. I want to see what my genes are like. I wonder if it'll have your nose and my eyes. Like, oh my God. Like, really? Is that the reason why you want to have kids? You have no idea that you, you're bringing a kid into the world and you're condemning this child for the next 80 years to suffer paying bills, going to school, getting up early in the morning, putting up with crappy co-workers, putting up with managers that get into your business and so on and so on and so on and divorces and breakups and heartaches. Is that what you want for your children? But you're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. My kids are not going to go through that. Uh, hello. Yes, they are going to. There's not a single thing you can do about it. And if you're lucky enough, you're going to create a, a, a well-adjusted member of society, which is not something that you see very often these days. Why would you want to bring kids to do that? Are you enjoying yourself right now? Are you really? Do you like getting up at whatever time in the morning and paying bills and trying to stay away from the collection calls? Do you like getting stuck in traffic? Do you like your coworkers? Did you like going to school and doing homework? Because that's literally what you're condemning your kids to do. It's simply because you feel like you want to see what your genes look like. You know, when, they, when I hear about thinking, you know, people thinking about reducing the voting age, I cringe. I cringe. And there is Jody. We missed you here. We were talking about you behind your back. Your ears. No, no, I heard there. everything. I mean, you, you did. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I you know I completely got sidetracked right now. Uh, what was I saying? I forget. The, the, the I forget. The car giveaway. The car giveaway. Oh, the car giveaway. That's what I wanted your opinion on. But you know, we were talking about having kids. Kids are overrated. You know, this is a hard one because now you have one coming, maybe two. No, no, one's enough. I think one, one's, one's enough. good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. my buddy Daniel Thiessen that was on the show just a couple of minutes ago, uh, they got pregnant a little while ago, and next thing you know, boom, twins. What? What? You know, if you want to see how your life changes, you know, have twins. And I, look, man, I, I have been tempted to have another kid at my age because I've been lucky enough to hang out with people that um, they were awesome and significantly younger than me. 
I guess you need to match the energy. Hey, listen, don't hate the player. Hate the game. It's not my fault. Besides, <laughs> if you're going to trade in a 99 Accord, you don't want to trade it in for another 99 Accord. You want a newer car. <laughs> New, newer features, you know, an upgraded model, you know, bigger trunk. Nice analogy. Yeah, nice, nice analogy. front end, you know. <laughs> a newer model, less problems, no kilometers. You know what I'm saying? I, it, less, this is less, terrible. Less maintenance needed. <laughs> <laughs> No, and, and I can tell you this, I, I'm not going to, although I don't like leasing in the car industry, I when it comes to relationships, I, I wholeheartedly believe in two, three, four-year leases with the option to renew. Because you ne- you never know, right? You, you, you have to be able, you know, if the car that you're leasing uh, is giving you a lot of problems, you know, why would you want to renew it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you just give it back and just get another new car. See? <laughs> Lex, you are a terrible person. You are a, you are a terrible. And the fact that you're laughing about it, you know that I'm saying what you're thinking. Hey, I'm just... laughing because there is truth in what you say, and I have experienced some of that truth myself. <laughs> so, speaking of cars and leasing and whatnot, uh, we were thinking about giving a car away, Jody, and um, we're thinking about a way in which uh, to give it away. And uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if somebody tattoos their face on them my face on them <laughs> i'll give them a car and i'll pay for the tattoo what do you think so it could be anywhere uh yeah, yeah. pretty much all right listeners be creative put it anywhere <laughs> I, you know I'm, I'm just thinking about it. i don't know maybe maybe there there was a more creative way of getting a free car I, what, I Nick. Was, you know, like i said before i was thinking that you know, if like a bunch of people do that, get get like your tattoo, a tattoo of your face, like let's say five or ten, then they could all compete in some sort of competition, you know, maybe a little game show kind of thing. You know, it, it would be fun. It'd be, you know? I don't know, man. Questions I, uh... about maybe it could be <laughs> trivia about either cars or about your show, show. No, man. I don't your... trivia, I don't want to hear anything about cars. Oh, well, you know, like I said, this this show is, is supposed to be the biggest car show in the planet, but uh uh or maybe it could be general knowledge questions. Yeah. Well, I, I used to host Family Feud for uh, people around the city and uh, my previous job as well. So Family Feud could be a thing. Yeah, Family Feud would be uh, – yeah, would most certainly be. The problem is that if you, if you, if you get a tattoo, uh, you need to have write a contract that says that you're not going to laser it off for at least the duration of the lease of the vehicle that, I'm, that you're going to get for free. Because it's very easy. You go back and you start lasering the thing up. Who would want to have my face on the, on the, on the body? <laughs> you, you would be surprised how many people would be willing to do that. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think? Should we, should we um, I, I guess we should have an, uh, a contest on this. Uh, what is the best idea on how to give a car away? So that would be the first thing that we do. We, I may announce it in social media this week. And uh, the best idea is going to get something from me for sure. Um, right. Are you uh, are you in for this, Jody? We're giving a car here on the, on the radio station. <laughs> Let's do this. I want to hear this. I want to see this. I want to see how creative your listeners are. So. <laughs> And let's, and let's see how desperate people desperate people are for a new car. You know. Uh listen, you, I, I, you take anything for free, and if you have a car, I, I may give us the uh, the equivalent cash, you know, b- back to them. So you're gonna win either way. But uh, to the win in person, I would pay for the tattoo for sure. For sure, I would pay for that. I I wouldn't want it. <laughs> it's gonna be you know that guy who sends you emails all the time. Maybe he'll do it. <laughs> you know. Hey, listen, he sent me another email here, but. 
you know every every single saturday jyoti this crazy person just sends me email after email after email after it's, it's the funniest thing ever and um you know he cannot get me to hate him i love him <laughs> he's the best he cracks me up in ways that um I, i can't explain but immediately after the show ends i completely forget about him i forget about him. he he has no relevance in my life but anyway it's that time of the day folks and uh, once again i really 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 hope that you enjoy today's show next week is going to be very very interesting show uh, show we're going to have our premier doc ford is going to come on the show we're going to have the head um investor for investors group you know i mean this is a big shot when it comes to finances and uh, an investment for one of the largest investment firms in the country and um, there will be more guests coming down the pipeline that are going to help us navigate through life and figure things out um because it's very important that you know this subscribe to the podcast you know go to apple itunes go to spotify go to google podcast and subscribe and you're going to get a copy of this in your phone the moment that my webmaster loads it up and he's a slacker so it may take one or two hours you know don't you know come on man cut me some slack or if you want to come and see me and you want me to help you with some objective ruthless car advice and please forgive my dog marcus that likes to make an appearance on every show he is protecting his master from the uh, from the evils of the hallway and uh, if you need to come and see me and you want me to give you some objective advice Come and see me at Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. Um, that uh, is a safe place, arguably one of the safest places that anybody could have to buy a vehicle. Folks, I love you all, except those two. Come and see me at Oakville Nissan. There's something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out. Missed part of the show or the whole show? Go to saga960am.ca to find the podcast.